Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. My da, name is Daniel. Da, 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 da. And I'm here with Pastor <laughs> Troy. And we have a guest today. We do have a guest. And it's exciting because um, this is somebody who listens to our podcast, actually. What? People <laughs> one, listen one to our the, podcast? One of, the, one of the three people who listen to our podcast. Yes. And that makes all That's three of us in the same room at yeah. the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well have her here. Yeah. Uh, but Miss Judy Harris is with what? us today. Yeah. Hello, Judy. Ba, 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 ba. Hello. How are you all? <laughs> we are excellent. Great. Yeah, and um, and we have um, uh, you know this is a great a great week. This is our first week since uh, the pandemic. Well, actually, since it's the summer. Actually, that's what happened. The summer we took a bunch of breaks. Yep. We got behind. We did August all in one time. We did September, <laughs> a little bit of October, and then uh, we had a couple weeks we did last week. Mm-hmm. And today is actually we're just. Doing what we did originally. Back on schedule. Back first on schedule. normal podcast episode. Yeah. We're just looking at the reading from last week. And if you're not familiar, we're reading through the Bible as a church and uh, and getting close to the finish line. We're, I can We can see it as we're moving in to November and December. Uh, eventually, we will finish the Bible. And those, who's, those who hung with us will have read through the Bible in a year. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of a, I'm going to tell you, a little bit of a, a thing uh, that we're going to get to. And that is um, the Bible reading that I was doing was 365 days, and this was a leap year. And so we have one day in which December 31st, I don't have a reading. Whoa. Well, what if they don't read on Christmas? Can they shuffle it? Yeah, I was going to say, you can shuffle it. Yeah, skip Christmas. Who wants to read the Bible on Christmas? (laughs) We don't even know anything about Jesus on his birthday. Yeah, or you could, yeah, go back and reflect. But we'll start. I, I thought about starting Genesis 1-1 on December 31st and then kind of offsetting the year next year, Ayo. but then opted not to do that. I okay. thought I would get confused by that later on. Yep. So uh, so anyway, uh, today, though, we are looking through the end of, toward the end of Jeremiah and uh, coming down the home stretch there. Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the longest book of the Bible uh, is... Um, we continue long. on. Yeah, it's long. <laughs> and uh, Proverbs 27, 28. And, and we remember, Proverbs only has 31 chapters. So we really <laughs> slow it down. And it's like one verse a day uh, in Proverbs. Uh, and then at the end of 1 Timothy, uh, the big, uh, all of 2 Timothy, and then Titus. We're going to look at all that today. But uh, Judy, tell us a little bit about yourself. What... Uh, Tell us what you do here at First Baptist and kind of how you got here. I am the director of children's ministries, and I've worked with children's ministries for a while now, years. I also worked with the youth, and it just kind of happened. I'm just mm. here on staff with these wonderful, wonderful Woo. people, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and I love it. Uh, children's ministry is exciting. It's very fluid. And it's very time-consuming. Did you say it's very fluid, or there's lots of fluids? <laughs> a little bit both. of both. Yeah, both. Yeah, okay. both. I got you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Write it down. And uh, so I've been a member at First Baptist for about 20 years. 
um, it's been uh, it's been good. Awesome. I love our people. I love our kids. Uh, the people loved my kids, and uh, so I want to love their kids. It's a good it's a good thing. Awesome. Well, you're doing good things, Judy. We're excited. We're glad to have you here. We're yeah. glad to have you here on the podcast. Glad you're at First Baptist. All of the above. So, yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, we'll be right back. We're gonna look at uh, our insights from the reading from last week when we come back. All right, we are back to uh, the podcast of yes. devotional moments time. This is when we share things we have read in the Bible reading. And the purpose of it is because we want to show that everybody who reads the Bible and uh, as you're reading it, God is saying something to you through his Holy Spirit. That's one of the neat things. And, you know, I, I think it's, what's amazing is that when each person reads the Bible, God shows something different, even though we're reading the exact same passages and the same words, uh, he shows us different things. And sometimes he'll highlight a particular passage for you that didn't stick out to me and then and vice versa. So, uh, so it's always, our hope is, is that you will just hear, this isn't like us going into some deep seminary type thing of yeah, uh, Daniel's, a good thing. Daniel's pushing his glasses up on his. <laughs> <laughs> he's always he's doing motions on a podcast, but uh, right. yeah, he's pushing his glasses up on his nose. Uh, my son does it all the time. Uh, the uh, but uh, it is not one of those high highbrow kind of things. It, it, this is just uh, it's really good to see that God speaks through His Word to all of us. Everybody who has the capability of reading the Word has the capability of being spoken to through it, and so uh, it's always good to hear what God is saying to the body of Christ. So yeah. we're just going to share what God is showing to us, but. Uh, and hopefully that uh, moves you to read it and see what God shows you. And we love for you to send those uh, insights to us, uh, mm-hmm. however you can communicate that to us through email, text messaging, calling Smoke the church, screen. whatever. We'll, <laughs> we love getting those messages. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, I'll kick us off. Psalm 119 is um, is a big chapter, man. Like, uh, And there's a reason it's so big, um, apparently. Each, um, you know, you look at Psalm 119, and most Bibles have it, like, sectioned off into these little, like, subsections, um, which is good because it's super long, hard to keep track of. But each subsection is, like, a subsequent letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So um, the thought is, um, I think pretty much everyone is in agreement here, is that um, the author wrote Psalm 119 to teach, like, their children. It's like an alphabet, um, alphabet soup, if you will, of... Of things about God's word. A mnemonic device. A mnemonic device was definitely what was in my head uh, about the. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, um, but basically, it's just a zillion verses in Psalm 119 <laughs> about um, about um, talking about God's word and how good it is and how you know what to get from the word. So it's great. Um, people have said that the whole Bible can be summed up in Psalm 119. So in fact, next year. Next Uh-oh. year, we are doing a whole sermon series on Psalm 119. I'm 20, so excited 23 for that. messages. Wow, that's pretty I'm pumped. I'm and excited. yeah, it sounds boring to do 23 messages on one chapter of the Bible, but yeah. there's a lot. It is there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, and then by the end, we'll be able to say we went through it. But um, so, yeah. A little... we, we, I hope they don't say, we we lived through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was COVID in 2020. Then there was Psalm, Psalm 119. 119 in 2021. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a long, it's a long chapter for sure. So um, there's a lot to be drawn out of it. Um, I'm going to draw out um, Psalm 119, 105 from it, and um, 
for my family that may be watching or listening, and they're very familiar with this verse because this was like what we like have claimed as like our family verse growing wow. up. So um, it was on our walls. It was you know like the, those <laughs> Bible verses that say put put God's word on the walls and on your hands mm-hmm. and on your whatever. That's I was like our family with this verse. Um, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that's what it says. And um, I just assumed growing up that everyone knew this verse and the mm-hmm. reference by heart because. It's so obvious. Uh, it's on everyone's walls. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I went to summer camp this year with the youth, um, and we the leaders were all taken out into the woods, and they took us like kind of on an excursion to a cave where it was going to be very dark. And there's this whole object lesson about, um, you know, and and about this, about God's word and being a light to our, you know, using God's word as a light for our dark times and that kind of thing, that kind of lesson, you know. Right. Uh, and uh, we're about to go into the cave, and our leader is like, you know, there's a verse, I think it's in the Psalms, and uh, he's kind of getting, trying to get to the point, he said, this is kind of what it says, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm not prepared, I forgot my phone, blah, 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 I can't look it up, and uh, which is great that our cave tour guide forgot his phone, <laughs> looking back, it's a little scary, but, uh, but we were all kind of standing around, and all these um Youth pastors are kind of like, what is that verse? Where is that from? And I'm thinking, are you guys idiots? Like uh, Psalm 119.105. So I just kind of say, I think it's Psalm 119.105, and they pull out their phones. In such a humble way. In a humble way. And I realized that what had actually taken place along this verse was um, family discipleship at work, like family um, training at work, Mm. is that my family, my parents, had taken this passage and instilled in us on a core level a love of God's word, um, mm-hmm. and just and and really set up God's word as the ultimate authority for our life. And um, I look around and I see that you know we um, we hold very tightly, hold very closely to this idea that God's word is important and the sole source of authority for our lives. Um, but I've 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 always felt like a just a I don't know just a unique draw there um, to God's word as like authoritative, and um, and I think it's because. A lot, a lot in part because my parents just instilled that value yeah. in me from young age with this mm-hmm. verse. Um, we just repeated it and put it on everything, and um, and that's just, I mean, it's the verse is pretty self-explanatory. You know, God's word leads us in life and um, and is and is the source of truth and um, light light to my path. But um, but I think the the bigger push for me was just reading this verse and realizing, man, this is. This is a key, a core value, and how do you instill core Christian values in your kids, in your family? You repeat it over, over and over yeah. and over. Um, so, um, thank you, mom and dad. They hear this someday. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so that's that was a lesson that I got, kind of experiential with the yeah. word, less yeah. from the word cool. itself. But yeah. That's awesome, and that is an awesome mm-hmm. verse. And I, I, you know, I'm not trying to throw my parents under the bus, but I don't think they ever shared that verse with us as a family. We definitely didn't have it on the wall, but. It was a part of Vacation Bible School, which is just yeah. kind of a shout out to Vacation Bible School. That verse was over and over again, so it was entrenched in my mind as a child. Also, Amy Grant had a song called "By Word" uh, that mm-hmm. used those words, and so the, so it it that uh, so not only Vacation Bible School, not only, not only parent reinforcement, Vacation Bible School, but also music has a way of reinforcing the truth over yeah. and over again. I you appreciate. do know who Amy Grant is, right? I, and I know the song. <laughs> well, I just, just wondered. Very good. <laughs> it's awesome. I don't. And, um, I'm sorry. Well, you, yeah. you know the lyrics. I'm, I'm you, know the, I'm <laughs> you know the lyrics because they, we, yeah, he just recited them. Uh, the, uh, the, but I appreciate artists 
who simply just put the word of God into lyrics and uh, and music, put music with it, because it's, it's another again a way to memorize it. Yeah. And then it's impressed upon your heart, and it, it and it, it instantly comes to mind. The moment you said it, those were the two things that popped mm-hmm. in my head. And then one more thing popped in my head was uh, of my grandmother's house. We had. Uh, she house I actually wound up living in later on. My uncle lived down a path across a field, and there was a, well there was a path that went from her house to her house. I remember the flashlight sat up on a shelf, and so you had to have that light. And so when people would share that that illustration, I would always come in my head how that was how the word of God was mm. was that light oh, cool. uh, that cool. that light of a path and so forth. And that's in the text itself. Yeah. I mean that's that's what God is doing is trying to give us that mental picture through the psalmist of, I mean, the psalm is a song, obviously, right, sure, but sure. he's creating that mental picture of truth um, through that illustration. So it's, a, it's such a powerful thing. And that's just one verse. One verse. Out of the longest chapter in the Word of God. So you can imagine how much. Somebody should <laughs> preach like 20-something messages on it. <laughs> uh, maybe next fall. Uh, so uh, my, I was in First Timothy chapter 6, and... Um, uh, and He says, he's talking to Timothy as he finishes this up. He says in verse 11, he says, but you, man of God, flee. Well, let me back up because he says uh, in verse um, 9, he says, but those uh, who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Uh, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Then he says, but you, man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Uh, and, and I wrote, a man of God flees from the love of money and from greed and lust so that he doesn't drown in destruction and perdition. A man of God pursues Christ and his righteousness and seeks to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, we have, we should make, uh, Job says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Uh, and and there should be this, this desire amongst the men of God, women of God, to be pure in heart and to to be very careful what we see, what we indulge ourselves in, and uh, and participate in, so that we are so that we can uh, be filled with the Spirit, uh, and not looking at anything, not desiring anything that's outside of God's desire for me, but really just believing and trusting that what God wants for me is what's best for me. And where we get into trouble is where we begin to desire that which God is not granting to us. Uh, I mean, it's fine to pray for things uh, and to read the Word of God to say, I believe God would want me to have this or God would want me to to be a part of this, and then to pray for that. And then you'll get your answer. If God gives it to you, then you know, that's yes, he does. Uh, But if not, um, he does not. But a wanton look, uh, you know, when you look at something, and it could be for a man, it could be a woman or a car or a house, or it could be you look at it. And to look at it, that's what covetousness is. You look at it and think, I, I want that for myself. Um, and uh, and that's that takes a root in a man's heart and it creates a hunger that demands to be satisfied. And so he starts thinking of ways. He begins to alter the way he lives in order to acquire that which he 
desires. Uh, and this is where the fight of faith takes place. It is, it is a struggle. It's a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Uh, and that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, fight the good fight of faith. Just don't just give in to that, but wrestle with it and, and battle against it and, and come up with strategies in order to win or defeat these desires that creep up within us and realizing you're not battling against flesh and blood. You're battling against principalities and powers. Uh, and the, um, and so we are to, and to, to, we are called about which we've made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He said, you, many people, he said, you said you would do this, and many people heard you make this confession, and so uh, they look to you to be this follower of, of Christ. It is definitely, uh, we are, and that's what we are in right now, you know, in our, our nation, with all the things that are happening right now, everybody's, uh, you know, when this podcast airs, the election will have already taken place. Uh, we're recording it on election day, uh, and and one of the things that I was listening to somebody share um, yesterday that was just so meaningful to me, uh, a pastor I deeply respect, uh, he was just saying how um, somebody, no matter what happens, somebody's going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And some people are going to be depressed over the outcome of this. But it is not the outcome of the election that makes or breaks uh, what God is seeking to accomplish in our lives. If we are fighting the fight of faith, uh, it's that it's the battle that's going on within us. I mean, that's what we're trying to overcome. That's what we're trying to win. And there's no president, there's no congressman, there's no act of the Supreme Court that can change our heart. Uh, but God can change our heart and God can give us the victory over sin, over death. And if we achieve that, then it really doesn't matter what happens uh, in governments. We, we want governments to proceed, but that's not our primary interest. Our primary interest is to further the kingdom of God, to proclaim the gospel, and to share uh, that we have a king who's coming. You know, I am uh, not of this world. My my kingdom is not my own. You know, this is this is uh, this is a world that I'm passing through. So uh, my interests are elsewhere. And my objectives are the objectives of my king, not of any particular political party. So anyway, good things. Cool. I thought that was interesting, too, because I had commented on that in my journal. But also, in that same chapter, it talks about the rich. Mm. And it's the same thing. You know, it's not bad to be rich, but you should use it for good. Right. To further God's call. You know, and years ago, that was in an election. It was that it's about the economy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think people believe that. People mm-hmm. believe that if the economy is good and I'm making money, that that will solve my problems. That never is true. You know that we that is just such a lie. That I mean, just look at people who have a lot of money. They have a lot of problems, and yeah. uh, and it doesn't. Those things is not about uh, how much money you have. In fact, money just creates much many more issues. But um, but it is it's it's all it's a lie I have fallen into it's a deception that uh, that's very easily draws people in. Hmm. So I absolutely love Jeremiah. I know a lot of people <laughs> are like, there you ah. go. I know <laughs> absolutely. I said that to my husband, which this is a plug for the podcast. It is so cool as a family to individually read these readings and then come together and talk about them. I mean, Hmm. it gives you a point of interest that is so rich and Hmm. so important. And that's done that for us, uh, Scott and I. And so anyway, there's a plug for the podcast. But I love Jeremiah because 
you see God's character so clearly. Um, you see a sovereignty. He puts leaders and nations in place, right. and he takes them down if it, you know, if it um, fulfills his will. Uh, he's just the way he dealt with Judah and Israel and the other nations. You just see, see how just he is. He cannot not be just. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's merciful. He always had a remnant uh, from Israel, from Judah, um, because he had made a promise. So that leads us to his faithfulness. He had made a promise that there would be a a savior come mm. from that line, and uh, he did. He kept his promise by having that remnant that he would restore Israel, and through them the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would be born uh, to restore and redeem all of mankind who will accept him as Savior. So I just, I I thought it was really cool to see God's character. And we, you know, Scott was like, Jeremiah, there's so much death and destruction. I'm like, yeah, but look how God worked it all for his will and yeah. his glory. And so I, that's kind of overall the whole book since we're almost through with it i i just loved it that's awesome and yeah how like jeremiah's kind of tenure as prophet spanned so many different kings and rulers and all this stuff and it's it's just a testament to you know like you mentioned election day is today um we've there may be a changing of the guard in some level statewide or local wide it's gonna Um, be different national whatever it is something's gonna be different and but god's word is constant and god's character is constant like you were saying and that's good He's faithful. Yeah. It, there was a verse that said, even when we're, was that in, in the New Testament reading, even when, or maybe it was Old Testament. I can't remember now. It was Old Testament, but uh, it said, even when we're faithless, he is faithful. Mm-hmm. And was that, I'm not sure where that was, but in our reading this yeah. week, and I thought, yeah, he is. He can't, because he can't be anything but that. Right. Yeah, now you get me thinking about where that was. I'm, t- I'm not really sure. I remember. Someone on our live stream, look it up for us. <laughs> Even when we are faithless, he is faithful. I don't, I mean, I, I've heard that yeah. many times. Yeah. I just can't remember. Yeah, that's good. Um, all right. That's back to you, Dan. My turn? Okay. Ping pong, ping. Ping pong, ping. Um, I'm going to kind of pair, pair a couple things I was looking at. Um, Proverbs. I usually don't get a lot of time in Proverbs. Um, but uh, 28, Proverbs 28, verse 2. Um, just a, again, like today, it's this is just on my mind because it's election day, and um, yeah, it says in verse uh, two, uh, by the transgression of a land, many are its princes, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, so it endures. And um, and this is written by Proverbs are, is written by a king and to a future king. So like this is a this is a political we're a little bit of political power and spiritual power kind of collide in in a moment Uh, but it says um, by the transgression of a land many are its princes like when um, a land a nation has like is like in sin a bunch of people are just grabbing for power you know like all these all these power hungry people seek position and seek leadership and and that's a sign of unhealth Um, but by a man a man of understanding and knowledge so it endures and we look at how god has organized his kingdom on earth and like his church and his people throughout all of the Bible. And we, what do you have? You see Moses, which was a man of righteousness. And when more things needed to be done for the kingdom, 
then more positions were created out of that. You look at the church and you start with the apostles and you got Paul and they create more disciples. So like it's a, whereas a, like an ungodly nation starts from like the ground up or an ungodly church, you know, you just create positions to, to solve problems um, just based on human ambition. That's, that is a worldly sinful way to do leadership. And then you look, but you look at the way that God does it and it's, it's completely different. It's God down. And it's so good. And um, and the picture of those servants is also in our reading. Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty four. Um, I want to say twenty four and twenty five thereabouts. Kind of cuts off in the middle, but it says the Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If mm-hmm. if our politics looked like that, that would be amazing. But they don't. Again, this is a complete reversal of what we see. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. Like, that's what I want for our nation, but it's not its not what I expect to see, you know, when I turn on the news. Um, and and I, I want to see that in God's people. So, like, as God's people, when we read the word and we, like, we pray for our leaders and we do what we do in and without, within and without the church, like, let's be those servant, uh, the Lord's bondservant. Let's not be quarrelsome. Let's be kind to those when we're wronged and... Um, and just speaking well of each other, like that's I I felt that for me, um, because I don't when I'm wronged I don't want to speak kindly of people, you know I don't want to be this um, great thing when somebody you know opposes me or you know calls me out. Um, that's not where my mind immediately goes. Maybe it's what I do out of fear of people or you know for whatever reason, but uh, my spirit is not always there. So. Um, so anyway, that's that's what spoke to me. Mm. Just com- kind of combining those two. I like that. You, you, that's two. You took two of my devotional readings. The first one was Psalm and Psalm, and then the, this one too. Yes. But luckily, <laughs> that just means we're on luckily, the same page. Luckily, there are seven days. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, I see Troy over here scrambling. <laughs> that's what I was going <laughs> to say. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, that means we get to share more. But uh, the uh, but those are some those, and I think the reason why we both we're drawn to those things because those are just powerful passages, mm-hmm. you know, and God's saying such a, um, potent things in that. That mine's from second Timothy chapter four, mm. um, second Timothy, I have a close bond to, uh, I mentioned that Dr. MacArthur had shared, uh, was preaching the Mullins lectures at our seminary, uh, years ago and went through second Timothy and, and was just sharing how Timothy was at a point in his life where he was denying the faith. Uh, he was getting ready to walk away, and you you don't. Uh, one of the things that a lot of times we don't realize we we get to thinking about churches as institutions, but every time a church loses a pastor, uh, whether that pastor leaves and goes to another church, uh, whether he dies, whether he moves on to another ministry, whether he falls from the faith, whatever the case, when churches become pastorless, they are at risk. They're at risk of being leaderless and and not having direction and that church is in danger of, of moving closer to dying. And and there are people who God has to lead those churches, but when those people do not live up to their responsibility, when men of faith do not step up to the call, uh, there there are negative consequences to that. This is a this is a faith that has been passed from generation to generation to generation, uh, and and so when we don't take that baton, when we don't take that that's been passed on to us, and then pass it on to another generation, it gets lost. 
and uh, and in entire regions of our world now do not have strong churches because uh, that that people just didn't because people ran. And Timothy was in danger of, of this, and, and, and Paul basically is stepping in and saying, hey, look, you're afraid of going to prison. You're probably going to go to prison, but you cannot deny the faith, and uh, you have to be faithful to this call. And so he's, uh, he's actually, the entire letter of 2 Timothy, Paul didn't write it. Luke wrote it, uh, but Paul recited it. Paul is just simply dictating to Luke. Paul's down in a hole. I've, I've been to the prison where he was in Rome. It's called the Mamertine prison. And he was chained to a rock and there's a hole above him. He's complete darkness and there's a hole above him. And Luke would have been above the hole and you can almost imagine him laying down and writing up there as Paul is talking to him. And so it really is, uh, it's a spoken letter. You could literally, uh, we always think the Bible is so long, but you can read the entire thing out loud in seven minutes. Uh, which is not a very long, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? The thing that the entire letter of Second Timothy is much shorter than any sermon I've ever preached <laughs> on any given Sunday. Uh, but uh, so it's seven minutes, but he's, he's literally just communicating his heart uh, to Timothy as he goes through this and speaking this. And, and he's kind of closing up in chapter four. He says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead. And because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And uh, and I, I've called this the Oprah principle at some point or another, but but Oprah and others, they, they have found teachers to say what they want to hear. And Oprah herself has become a teacher that people that says what people want to hear. And, and people are gravitate towards people who say things that they want to hear, but they are not communicating what God's word says. They're just simply thinking of ways to say things that please people, that are what sound good to us. And, and that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. He said, but you can't do that. You have to remain faithful uh, to the doctrine. And he says, you've got to exercise self-control, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, evangelist fulfill your ministry. And as we were talking about earlier, you know, we're in this time where everything could turn upside down at any given point for the church. It doesn't matter who is in office. It doesn't matter what. I mean, we live in a we live in a world system that is controlled by an adversary of God, and uh, and that system uh, will get into. Doesn't matter what political party it is. Doesn't matter who it is. If people. Anybody who is not grounded in God's word, is not empowered by his Holy Spirit, is subject to be controlled by that world system and will move it in a direction that is away from God. And at some point will rise up against the church and try to stamp it out, try to create conflict for it, try to persecute the church. And it doesn't matter if laws change and we lose housing allowances and laws change and the churches start to get taxed. It doesn't matter whatever they do. We still have a ministry to fulfill. We still have a mission to accomplish. It doesn't matter if they make it illegal, if they if they say you can never say talk about this or you can never talk about that. 
We simply have to share the message that God has given us to share and do what he's called us to do and be faithful to that. Preach the word in season, out of season, and uh, and be faithful to that until he returns. I, I mean, there while we do not face that on a great scale in, in this country, uh, and not really, uh, it is faced by people or other places around the world, but that's, it would be different if it started out that Paul could do this and never went to jail, and we're like, whoa, you know, <laughs> this is like a new thing. It's not a new thing. Uh, we've been in prison for doing this for 2,000 years. So it's uh, so if we uh, so if it becomes something that's not too popular, uh, it's we should we should expect that. In fact, the fact that we're not being persecuted should call what we are doing into question and make us ask why why aren't we suffering as a result of sharing what we are sharing? And and possibly the answer is is that we have not been faithful to uphold the doctrine that he's called us to, or at least be bold in his presentation. So, mm. cool. I think also I'm, I think of Psalms and how the psalmist was writing about how much he loves God's word mm. and God's statutes. If we're not in God's word, we're, we're going to be subject to what's going on around us and maybe be swayed by those things because it does sound good if you don't know God's word. Yeah. And yeah. so... I think that's really important to to know what God's word says and be immersed in it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I know that I have studied God's word all my life, and and still there are times if I am not in into His word and meditating upon His word on a daily basis, easily something can come along, and I think, oh, that's that's a really good way of thinking or doing. It's like, wait a second, oh wait, that's not the Bible. <laughs> uh, anyway, right. yeah, but it sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, I'm back in Jeremiah and um, in verses or chapters 41 through I think even 46, um, there was this phrase that kept cropping up and it said, um, stay for a while. And so the I think what's going on, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. There's oh, we will, Judy. <laughs> we will correct you. So there's this remnant or this this group, um, and they're going to go to Egypt for protection hmm. from Judah. Uh, they're going to, from Judah to Egypt for protection, right. and God says, I mean, directly says, do not go to Egypt, and they do it anyway. Um, which how many times are we told not to do something (laughs) or to do something and we do it. And, but, and throughout the Bible, it talks about Egypt. And from what, you know, from what I see, Egypt is like represents sin or a place of sin. And so, you know, God knows that they don't need to go to Egypt. Um, and he also knows their intention is because they never say, I'm going for a while. Mm-hmm. But God says, you're going to go to stay for a while. But he knows once we slip into that sin for a while, sometimes we just kind of stay there. Mm. And it consumes us sometimes. We can die from it. It, it made me think of that, of how many times are we warned about our sins and, and just to stay Dear clear, but we think, oh, this this sin's not that bad, and it leads to something else, or or the people who say, oh, I'm not going to give my life to Christ right now. In a while, 
after I've done what I want to do, then I'll give my life to Christ. And, you know, sometimes they never get that chance because they drown in their sin. And so that was kind of my uh, take on on all of that, um, yeah. going to Egypt. That's a great, great connection because that's exactly what it is. It's it's um, uh, it's going back into slavery, back into the place where you were once enslaved and uh, and where God set you free from it. And now you're trying to return to it. Um, and and they were forbidden to ever go back. And, and here they are. Um, going back mm-hmm. um, that's sounds familiar nothing good <laughs> nothing good can happen there all right okay got some questions we're going to tackle okay we are back this is the question and answer segment dun, 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 dun. this is where all of your questions and all of the bible can be answered in this <laughs> podcast and, uh, yeah, that doesn't lie with me. Pastor Troy's going to be answering some questions. <laughs> um, so we got, we got several questions on the docket, Pastor Troy. Um, I'm excited. What do you want to, what do you want to hit first? Well, just ask one. Let's go for it. All right, Judy, you've got, you've got first step to bat. Okay. Jeremiah 45. This guy gets a whole chapter, Baruch, but I don't know who he is. Well, uh, actually he's. Mentioned multiple times, oh. he he is uh, Baruch of Neriah is the um, is he's the scribe for Jeremiah. He's he's the guy who's writing the book okay. um, for the most part, or at least writing it down. So he's kind of Jeremiah's right hand man, and so you'll you'll see him um, uh, be if you think of it in terms of, um, of Jeremiah is in prison, Jeremiah is in the mire, Jeremiah is in a lot of unsavory places where he would not be able to write, uh, a lot of times you would have a guy who was a scribe who would write messages down, who would deliver those messages for you and so forth. Um, Josephus actually uh, writes about him and says he's like the son of an aristocrat and so forth. This giving whatever, I mean, Josephus, Josephus was a historian, but his word's not authoritative, but uh, but it does kind of give us some insight at least that there was uh, this idea of a person who, um, kind of like Luke was to Paul, as we were just talking about, uh, he was the guy who was there write it down so that's why his name will come up repeatedly so yeah. don't know much more about him than that yeah good question yeah very good what Let's else see. yeah from second timothy 3 5 second timothy 3 5 it says um it says holding to the form of godliness but denying its power avoid these people and it's you almost have to read what comes before but mm-hmm. So I just don't know what they mean when they say holding to a form of godliness but denying its power. If it's a form of godliness. Um, well, it, it appears just by what he's written in the text. He's talking about people who are um, not being faithful to um, to abstain from immorality. Uh, people who have indulged in godliness, uh, godlessness, basically lovers of self. Uh, and Yet, uh, if you think of like the Pharisees, for instance, and who had a form of godliness and that they practiced a religion, they had rules that they would follow, and yet in following these rules, they were have all this heinous stuff that they were doing. 
on a practical level, it is it, very easily applied today because many of us go to church, go to Sunday school, yet we still have uh, indulgence of sin that we put into our lives, which robs us of the power of the Holy Spirit because we are quenching the Spirit by continuing this lifestyle of sin uh, while we're maintaining a form of religion or godliness in that, um, in that we are practicing things like reading our Bible or memorizing books of the Bible or, you know, saying that we pray, praying before our meals or, or things that we're doing, but don't actually have power in them. Uh, you see this, uh, I see this, I, I've seen the evidence in my own life at different times. I've seen the evidence in, in so many other lives where, say, uh, and a great example would be, uh, say you have a, a problem with anger and you are going to church and you are, uh, you know, doing, going to Sunday school, doing all these religious practices, yet anger still controls you. And the reason is, is because you do not have the power to overcome that anger because you're not actually walking in the spirit. You're not going and worshiping the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not in that Bible study in the power of the Holy Spirit, receiving the word in the power of the Holy Spirit, being changed by the word in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a person who's, it's, it's Judas. I mean, Judas is right there in the council of Christ, walking with Jesus, going with the disciples, involved in all these amazing things, yet there is no power that's changing or transforming Judas because he is, um, uh, he denies his power. He is not uh, receiving that transformative power. And so Paul is uh, just simply warning Timothy about people like that. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, that's the sad part is that we have created this culture of Christianity where we think that if we practice these things that when, when somebody comes to me and says, how much can I get away with and still go to heaven? And they'll rephrase <laughs> that question in a lot of different ways, but it's basically like, I'm, I'm planning to sin, but I want to know, is this sin too far? And you're looking at him going, you're already in the wrong place, in the wrong mindset, because to say that you want to sin is say that you want to not love Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's exactly what you're saying. And, and people will say, no, 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 I love Jesus. I just want to sin against him. And it's like, you know, <laughs> Jesus literally said that uh, you cannot, if you love him, you will do what he says. Uh, so you can't have one or the other. But I could go on, but I won't. I'll stop there. Cool. What was another one that somebody had? Somebody, what was that question? We kept uh, thinking of. Okay, so Second Timothy 2, 2, mm-hmm. um, a lot of twos and tees, <laughs> says, um, the things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so the question that came in is, um, is that meant to, um, is that Paul telling Timothy how to um, run the church or is that like a general discipleship principle? How is that meant? Okay, cool. And I'm going to piggyback that with another question that we had gotten was, how do we know the difference between a word in the Bible that is for in context for the people that it's speaking to and one that also applies to us? Um, and, and here's a good example, because Paul is speaking to Timothy. He is not speaking to me or to Daniel or to Judy. He is telling Timothy what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Um, so that is a direct command to Timothy. And so the question, so two questions is, one, what's, what's he saying there? But, uh, and who's that apply to? And the other part is, is does that command apply to me uh, as the reader of the text? 
And uh, when you're, let me, I'm going to go backwards here. I'm going to address the second part of that first. When you're reading through the Bible, you always start with who is God talking, who is this talking about and so forth. Do not insert yourself into the Bible, into the text. If it's not talking about you, specifically uh, believers in Christ who come later. I mean, there are passages that actually do address people who will believe in me later on. I mean, like in John chapter 17, when you're going through the prayer of Jesus, he literally is talking about believers who are going to come you know, later. That would be us. Um, but otherwise, he's either talking to the nation of Israel, he's talking to specific Jews, he's talking to specific people, and so forth. First, look at it in that context. And then you ask yourself, because God's an immutable God, he's not changing, and, and he's always the same, yesterday, today, and forever, and he, and he, if he's given a truth that is an absolute truth that's not just applicable to the person he's talking to, but to everyone, well, of course, that expands to all of us who are now within the faith. Something that, uh, and, uh, that sometimes we fail to uh, understand or, or recognize in the text is that he's not talking to, when he's telling people to be faithful and telling people, giving all of these instructions to the church and being faithful followers and so forth, he's not talking to lost people. They don't have, they are not equipped. They're not part of the church. They're not part of the We are grafted. The word tells us that we're grafted in to Israel, uh, into being children of Abraham. So we come under the direction of Abraham. Uh, then the early church in the New Testament reveals to us, uh, here is the part that applies to people who are Gentiles, who are not Jewish. So we're getting that that reflection from the word itself. We're not creating that those guidelines. Like for instance, the fact that we have church on Sunday, they worshiped on the first day of the week, but Sunday is not the Sabbath day. Saturday is the Sabbath. In fact, sundown on Friday night to sundown on Saturday, that's the Sabbath. Well, that Sabbath law doesn't necessarily apply to Gentiles because the early church had the opportunity to say, enforce this, but they didn't. And so uh, so we don't we don't have that forced upon us. So when we say Sunday's my set. Now, the, but the principle of going back to the create creative order comes before Abraham, before uh, the Jewish people, and which he instituted in the order of his creation that there needs to be a day of rest. So we do recognize that there should be a six cycle, six cycle day work week, and then a day that's taken to rest in order to be conforming to God. But we also recognize that we are not saved through the law. So me not doing that doesn't cause me to lose my salvation. Uh, but this, but I, but doing it would be what would be pleasing to God. And so, because He's revealed to us through the law, this is what pleases me. This is what brings me joy. And because I have a relationship with Him and want to bring Him joy, uh, I practice these things. And so it, it does take a little bit of guidance, and that takes us back to this text. He is saying, I want you, to, Paul is teaching Timothy things like this. And he's saying, now I want you to teach other faithful men. Now he's not passing on the apostolic order. He's simply saying, I'm training you in the ways of understanding the word. And I want you to train other people in the understanding of his word. The things that I'm sharing right now were things taught to me by other faithful men. And so I share those things with others, teaching them. And then the hope is, is that the people receiving those truths will also then teach those things to others. And, uh, and the question is, is this about church leaders? I had a good friend that said, we think way too much about leadership and too little about followership. 
Uh, we are followers of Christ. Christ is the one who gives this teaching to his apostles. They are not coming up with new teaching. They're simply sharing what Christ taught them. It is only the teaching of Christ that we are trying to communicate. What's crazy to me is that in three years, he communicated so much. John says we couldn't write it all down. If we had all the paper in the world, we couldn't do it. And and there's and you can spend your whole our entire lifetimes trying to communicate, trying to learn the things that he passed on to those apostles. We're we we can't even grasp it all. I mean, can you imagine being there walking with him and and having God right there walking with you? Mm-hmm spewing the revelation of God with everything he does, every every nuance of the way he walks, every every way he looks at everything, the way he wow. acts, the expressions on his face, the way he handles situations, the emotions he expresses, all every single moment of every single day expressing something about God and trying to capture all that and understand all that and interpret all that and then pass it on. And, and, they, and they wrote it into the Word, which is just... a God's grace given to us that we have the word and that and now we're so when you're reading it and you're thinking everybody should be able to understand this it's like everybody can understand it through the Holy Spirit and but but he designed it so that we were to teach it to one another that we were to that it was a preacher that was to proclaim it that you know how can they hear without a preacher you know he could the rocks cry out and could the nature reveal it? it could but that's not the way God planned it or ordained it. He ordained it so that we would learn it and then we would teach it to other people. So, yes, it does fall upon all of us to teach those. Uh, and you say, well, who do you teach? You teach everybody you have the opportunity to teach. <laughs> you, as as any, anybody that will listen to you, <laughs> let's say when we do this podcast, who else should we do this <laughs> podcast for? Anybody who will listen to it. Anybody who we can communicate that information. And, uh, and I think the more faithful you are to... Uh, to be in the Word, to understand the Word, the more people God brings to you to understand it. And, of course, there are false teachers, and, of course, there are false prophets, and, of course, there are people who are saying things that shouldn't be said, and the enemy's always involved in that. But each of us needs to learn as much as we can possibly learn and share as much as we can possibly share, passing on to another generation. That's how it's been done for 2,000 years. And will be done until he comes back. So All so that we can understand Jesus. Wow. We should name the podcast. We should do something. All right. Well, awesome. That's so good. Thank you, Pastor Troy. Thank you, Judy, for being with us. Thanks, Judy, for being here. So glad. It was fun. And we will see you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways or you can call the church office at 573 573- Two four three eight four one five, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.